The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 46 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are taking a look at Avengers number 43, Color Him, The Red Guardian. This issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by John Buscema, inks by George Bell, letters by Jerry Mann, and it comes to us in August of 1967. Taking a look at our cover here, we once again find the floating disembodied heads of the Avengers hanging around, with the exception of Hercules and Hawkeye, who will play a prominent role in this issue, along with our villain for the issue, the Red Guardian. Now, this cover is very reminiscent of the cover for Avengers number 19 where we introduce the swordsman. It also kind of reminds me of Avengers number 16, just before we have the shakeup of the team. In the case of Avengers number 16, it prominently features Captain America in that middle position. And in Avengers number 19, it features swordsman with the heads of the then four Avengers floating around Swordsman. So it is a similar cover to what we have seen in the past. I'd also like to point out that Red Guardian, with his current costume here, reminds me a lot of the Kree. In the case of the Kree, they have white uniforms with various colored trim based on their role in the Kree Imperial Militia, whereas Red Guardian is all red, but it's a similar looking kind of costume. And then the Kree and Red Guardian all have that little fin going down the middle of their head. I don't think one is based on the other, but Red Guardian is at least reminiscent of that to me. So this issue opens on a little bit of a lighter note than we have seen previously, with Hawkeye and Captain America returning to Avengers Mansion, only to have Quicksilver abscond with their trademark weapons, and Quicksilver appears to almost be flying. As we learn through the next page or so of, of Exchange, Quicksilver has realized that he can actually kind of fly short distances by rapidly vibrating his legs. So in addition to running really fast, Quicksilver has developed this new ability. Though, while I'm not necessarily a Quicksilver expert, I don't recall him ever using this ability in the modern era. I've never seen this ability come up, so I don't know how much it actually gets used beyond this. It's an interesting development. It's kind of goofy, though, and I don't really see a huge use for it in the book. So I, I don't expect to see it come up very often. But those times it does, it'll be a nice deep dive for the writer. I've also noticed, especially lately, I've found myself wondering, when does Pietro become so arrogant? In modern comics, he's very, very cynical, very full of himself. And here, he's like an excited kid. In reality, the character is in his early to mid-20s at this point. So that explains some of the exuberance, as opposed to someone who's probably in their 40s by the time we get to more current books. However, this is not the same Pietro I was expecting. He's a lot more jovial, again, much, much less cynical. And like I said, he's even a little childlike, a little kid-like, especially in, in this sequence with how happy he is about his new ability and being able to show it off. 
So once Quicksilver has calmed down, Captain America calls all the Avengers together in order to discuss what he and Hawkeye have just found out. But Hercules doesn't want to come. And Cap makes it really clear that he wasn't included when he called the Avengers to meet. Because Cap is a very black and white kind of guy at this point, And Hercules isn't an Avenger. He's been very helpful. He's been an ally. But he's not currently an Avenger. So Cap doesn't really care what Hercules chooses to do. This gets Herc a little spun up again. Again, I mean, Hercules is a character of passions, so he is easily angered and often is just as quick to forgive and to swing into a jovial mood or to swing into a depressive mood. I don't know that I would call him bipolar, but he certainly is a character of extremes. And I do have to say, Hercules here has one of the best bits of dialogue I have seen in a while. After Cap tells Hercules in fairly clear terms that he's not an Avenger, so Cap doesn't really care what he does, Hercules tells him, you presume too far, Captain America. Cap replies, what's eating you, Hercules? And Hercules said, Seek not to perplex me with thine overblown vernacular. A, it's a really good use of vocabulary, but there's a little bit of irony in that. He's saying, don't try and perplex me with overblown vernacular. Don't try and confuse me with big words, but he says it using big words. So it's a moment in this book that really just made me stop for a second and chuckle. I very much enjoyed it in its moment. It's no great joke, but it is amusing. At this, Hercules, again, is upset with Captain America, so he comes for Cap. He goes to fight Captain America. And again, Hercules hasn't been around Captain America all that much. Just before Hercules shows up is when Captain America left the team. So really the only interaction the two of them have had is the very end of last issue where they didn't end up fighting one another. Really, at that point, all the fighting was done and the two parts of the team just reunited. So this is Hercules' first physical interaction with Captain America, we'll say. First time trying to fight him. He's tried to fight Hawkeye a couple times. He fought Goliath. He hasn't fought Captain America. And instead of trying to go blow for blow with him, Captain America really plays possum. He just doesn't engage with Hercules. He dodges and evades the whole time because he knows that if Hercules lays a hand on him, he's done. And this is a smart move. Again, Captain America is the master strategist, so he's obviously familiar with what is referred to as a war of posts or a Fabian strategy where you don't engage the enemy except on your terms. The idea of fighting a defensive war. You don't bring the fight to the enemy. You win the war by continuing to survive. It's actually what a lot of the American Revolution is based on, is the idea that as long as the American army was in the field and still intact, the British didn't win because they hadn't put down the rebellion. That's a big picture idea here, where this is a much smaller, a micro scale. But it's the same idea. Captain America knows that he's gonna lose if he engages Hercules, so he doesn't. And initially, this offends Hercules and only makes him come after Cap more. But eventually, Hercules realizes what's going on and the fact that Cap's avoiding the fight because he knows that Hercules is going to win. And this amuses Hercules. Again, like I said, Hercules is a man of passions, so he swings from one emotion to another to another. And so he swings from anger to happiness to being jovial really quickly. And it helps to diffuse the situation. Now, what happens next is interesting because it is... A bit of a deep dive in terms of the comics, but at least for now, it doesn't have a whole lot of an impact. And that is that a lawyer shows up at Avengers Mansion, informing
charming wasp that because she is now 23, her birthday having just passed during the last issue, that her father's estate, her inheritance, is now hers. She has come of age. And so Wasp is now a millionaire. Approximately $3 million to be more specific. Again, remember, Wasp's father died in her first appearance. He was a doctor who went to go get help from Hank Pym. Hank was unable to help him and he died in the process and that's when the two of them connected. So this is going back several years at this point. So like I said, it's a bit of a deep cut here. However, again, as I also mentioned, it doesn't really do much for this issue. It may come into play in the future, but about the only thing it establishes is that Jan is fairly wealthy, especially for, for 1967. Roughly speaking, $3 million in 1967 is about $22 million today in 2017. So she's not insanely rich, but $22 million is nothing to laugh at. Now, while all of this is going on, and as it's wrapping up, Captain America realizes that Hawkeye has slipped out the back door of Avengers Mansion, and he's gone off to investigate a lead that he and Captain America found. That's what they were about to tell the Avengers about. So Hawkeye, dressed in a white trench coat, makes his way to a very seedy bar on the Lower East Side to find a man named Bruiser Bates. And Hawkeye initially tries to get the man to tell him the information, offers to pay him for the information, and when Bruiser decides that he doesn't want to give him the information because he thinks he looks like a cop, a bar fight ensues. Hawkeye is, I guess in this case he's really, he's masked in that his cover is blown, at which point the entirety of the bar decides to engage him, and a giant bar fight ensues, with Hawkeye finally eventually getting the information out of Bates. Now, I love this bar scene because it is a cross between a film noir setting and a western. The look of the bar, all the characters in it, the way Hawkeye looks when he comes into the bar in the trench coat, all belong in you know, 1930s to 1950s film noir. And they really are pretty spot on. When the bar fight breaks out, however, it turns into a western-style saloon brawl. Anyone who's seen the film Westworld, not the HBO television series, but the original film with Yul Brenner, will remember that there is a big, fairly comical bar fight in that movie, making fun of a lot of the Western tropes of the bar fight. Smashing bottles over people, throwing people through windows, all that kind of stuff. And this fight very much reminds me of that. You know, chairs are getting thrown, people go through windows, all kinds of great broken glass sound effects here. There's some great fist impact sound effects, because those western fights always had such great punching sound effects so this fight does a really great job of invoking both of those movie tropes and in a very loving and entertaining way it's not making fun of those tropes it's embracing them and using them in the superhero genre so when hawkeye returns with the information he has acquired from bruiser bates the only person he finds still awake is hercules who is not really brooding, but Hercules is itching for an adventure. Hercules doesn't idle very well, and so since he's had a little bit of downtime since the end of last issue, he's really kind of jonesing for a good fight, a good adventure. And Hawkeye is able to provide that for Hercules, because Hawkeye is going to go try and find Black Widow. I love this because, even with the cover, I absolutely did not expect a Hercules-Hawkeye buddy adventure in this issue. 
too. And as soon as I hit this panel, I got super excited for it. First off, it helps break the tension between these two characters. Right? There has been a lot of tempers running high and near misses when it comes to fights between these two. So it'll be nice to, to mellow that out a little bit. And secondly, they really are kind of the most ridiculous two characters in the Avengers right now. So to pair them up is really a guarantee for some legitimate antics. And I like the fact that Hercules, upon hearing the explanation as to where they're going and what they're doing, realizes that he has misjudged Hawkeye, and as Hercules says, Thine often brash words do but mask a soul tormented by love. And you know, that has a lot to do with it. Hawkeye had been settling down in his role in the Avengers and really finding his place, and everything was coming together, and then everything fell apart with Black Widow, and it really took his legs out from under him. And he has been lashing out at the rest of the team ever since. Some of it is jealousy, some of it is guilt, some of it is frustration, but he's been taking a lot of it out on his teammates who don't necessarily deserve it, and Hercules is finally understanding this. At least the rest of the Avengers understood what was going on and gave Hawkeye some leeway in that regard. You know, they all knew something's up with Black Widow. Even Goliath, who was utterly opposed to Black Widow joining the Avengers was the first one to say when she was planning to go back behind the bamboo curtain that something doesn't feel right. Now what I'm really excited about here and this is the first time in a while is that we are jumping back to the Black Widow story because now we can finally reunite these two somewhat disparate parts of the story into a single unified narrative thread. We can stop having this odd two to three page diversion out of the primary Avengers story to go do Black Widow things. What we find is that Colonel Ling is entertaining a general. And as we find out in a moment, it is General Brushoff, who is a high-level Soviet general. And the whole thing here implies that Colonel Ling's work on the Psychotron is not just a what appears to be Chinese effort, but is really a unified communist plot against the West. And as part of that plot, the communists have developed their own superhero who will bring about the fall of the Avengers, the Red Guardian, who is really a Captain America communist knockoff, complete with his own throwable item, in this case a belt buckle, which appears to change size when he throws it. If you look at him when he's just standing the first time we actually see him in the comic, not just on the cover. He's standing in a similar pose to how he's standing on the cover, and he's got a big but reasonably sized belt buckle. Then two panels later, he throws it at General Brushov, and it looks much, much bigger. I mean, if the belt buckle is actually that big, Red Guardian is giving Texans a run for their money. And of course, no supervillain test is complete without the villain fighting a bunch of various minions and wiping the floor with them, at which point General Brushov stops the Red Guardian and and we cut back to Hawkeye and Hercules, who have arrived at this secret communist base. They drop in from their jet aircraft and start to lay waste to everything that moves. There's a large contingent of soldiers that meet Hercules and Hawkeye, and they just thrash the ever-loving crap out of these guys. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a great action panel. I really, really like it. But these poor soldiers just don't 
stand a chance against these two. And then, of course, Hercules is all about making an entrance wherever he darn well pleases because he just smashes open a wall instead of finding a door. We saw him do this last issue in Diablo's Castle, and he does it again here. Now, once they're inside the base, the Avengers come across a few more of the same, we'll call them high-level minions that Red Guardian just took out, and they're all armed with flamethrowers, which is kind of an interesting touch, but the flamethrowers don't actually seem to do anything because the minions never use them, and then Hawkeye is actually taken out by Red Guardian's belt buckle. So now it is Red Guardian versus Hercules, and I was expecting this to go far more in Hercules' favor, but what ends up happening is that Red Guardian runs away from Hercules... Hercules pursues him into a room. Red Guardian then ducks back out of the room, slams the door shut, and turns on the Psychotron because the Red Guardian has tricked Hercules into entering the dreaded torture machine. And what we see in an absolutely stunning splash page is that Hercules' nightmare is that he has to fight the many-headed Hydra again. Only, as we see in the next couple of pages, all of Hercules' efforts have absolutely no effect. Nothing he does can harm the Hydra. So he is forced to fight this mythical creature to absolutely no avail. So there's, there's a few things going on here. One, the art for Hercules fighting this Hydra for the next really three pages, the, including the splash page, is just spectacular. But this splash page in particular is stunning. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. It's also an example of a fairly rare mid-issue splash page for this era. Frequently we get the opening page splash panel, but we don't typically get full page panels mid-issue. And A, this is a an exceptionally well done one, and B, it's a very fitting use of it. It helps give the Hydra a fair amount of scale compared to Hercules, and it really just highlights the monster. The other thing I really love about this is the idea of what would Hercules' nightmare be? Because I think that's an interesting question. Hercules is a demigod, so what does someone like Hercules fear? What is his biggest nightmare? And as we see, it is the fact that he can't complete one of the labors of Hercules, no matter what he does. Remember, the labors of Hercules is how Hercules atones for killing his wife and family, and the fact that he can't do that means he can't atone. It means that he is forced to live with the sins that he he has committed because he can't kill the Hydra. And because this is something he's already done before, he knows how to do this. He knows what should work. So not only is he now saddled with this enormous guilt, but he also has to deal with the frustration that he knows what to do and how to do it and how to kill this Hydra and it doesn't it doesn't work nothing he does works it is a really interesting look into the mind of this character on top of that what adds even more to this dive into Hercules's mind is the fact that Hercules refuses to give up just before we shift the story back to Hawkeye here, Hercules says, Is Hercules the victim of madness, or of some evil spawned by mankind's demonical science? No matter, for the Prince of Power fights on, though it may be for all eternity. 
Hercules, although this is his nightmare, is fighting it and is willing to fight it no matter how long it takes. If he is locked in this combat for the rest of existence, then Hercules will accept that and he will continue to fight. We saw what the Psychotron did to Black Widow and how it instantaneously crippled her. She was able to recover, but she was instantly brought to her knees. Hercules, who again is a demigod, so he's not a mere mortal like Black Widow, is of such constitution, both mental and physical, that he can withstand the Psychotron enough to fight back. He's not winning, but he's also not losing. All in all, this is just a super, super cool part of this issue. Okay, so I, I've talked about Hercules and the Psychotron a lot here, and it's time for us to move forward. We cut back to Hawkeye and Red Guardian, and Hawkeye is laying unconscious on the ground, having been knocked out by Red Guardian's belt buckle. Red Guardian approaches in order to finalize the, the capture of Hawkeye, and it turns out that Hawkeye was playing Red Guardian, and he reaches up and kicks Red Guardian in the head. And unfortunately, Hawkeye's mouth gets the better of him. He mentions Black Widow. Red Guardian responds that if that's the case, this is the ultimate the supreme jest of all. Red Guardian gets in his head a little bit, so Red Guardian is then able to knock Hawkeye unconscious again with his belt buckle. And when Hawkeye comes to, he is in a glass tube next to another glass tube that Black Widow is in, and Red Guardian is sitting on a stool nearby, at which point Red Guardian unmasks himself. And it is very obvious that Black Widow knows him, and in fact she has assumed he was dead. So, with a little prodding from Red Guardian, Black Widow is forced to admit to Hawkeye that the Red Guardian is in fact her husband. And the look of pain and dejection on Hawkeye's face is so real. It's one of those... He can't look at her. He can't look away. You know, it almost looks like he's welling up. He's fighting back tears. And he is just absolutely crushed. Now, of course, Red Guardian's purpose isn't just to take out Hawkeye or Hercules, but is to face all of the Avengers and defeat them. Especially Captain America, who obviously his costume is very closely modeled on. Although I said he looks like the Kree, which is true. His costume is obviously a communist copy of Captain America's right down to the star and the boots. And the cowl is very similar. So just as Red Guardian is discussing what's going to happen to the rest of the Avengers, we cut back to New York to the rest of the Avengers, who have found Hawkeye's message that he and Hercules are going to rescue Black Widow behind the bamboo curtain, and the Avengers assemble to go rescue their teammates. And that is where we will end this issue. Overall, there are a lot of really cool things happening in this issue. To be honest, it feels a little bit more like a setup issue and that the meat of the storyline is coming next issue. Now, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that, but like I said, it certainly does feel like more of a setup. There are also just a lot of really cool kind of individual elements in this story. Again, I really like the bar fight with its mix of noir and western, and I went on for quite a bit about how much I love 
loved the sequence of Hercules in the Psychotron, and I'm interested to see how the relationship between Black Widow and Hawkeye is going to fare now that this other person, another element, has been introduced into the relationship. As most of us are aware, superheroes are very rarely allowed to have happy personal lives, in part because if everything's great and happy, it doesn't make for an overly interesting story. But here, I was really kind of rooting for Black Widow and Hawkeye. I know in the end, it doesn't work out. At least in the year 2017, it hasn't worked out. However, that doesn't mean it can't work out in 1967. That was 50 years ago. Things change in that time. So I was kind of hoping, and we'll see how things actually end up. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. Next week, we are going to be taking a look at Avengers number 44, The Valiant Also Die. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.